When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera, joined in the DC studio by Tim Horsey, on the West Coast by Jay Sevens, as we recap briefly the Ravens' gigantic win over the poor, poor Cincinnati Bengals, and give you a preview of the Ravens' matchup against the Houston Texans in just a few days. Tim? Sitting next to me here, uh, how you, how you feeling after after a trip away and after a Ravens victory? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, <laughs> Thursday night as we record this, uh, got home very, very late Sunday night from the beautiful city of New Orleans, which I will definitely go back to. Um, and I'm just starting to kind of get back into my groove. This is a little bit of a later Pod Like a Raven, obviously, because we had some travel issues, which uh, if you follow us on social media, Pod Like a Raven everywhere, uh, you notice we were posting about that. Apologies for the delay, but... Selfishly, I had a great time. It's getting colder and colder on the East Coast. It's probably still like 75 degrees in Los Angeles. Jason, uh, how you doing over there? Yeah, it's another beautiful day. Oh, out here. I hate you. I hate <laughs> nice you. and uh, dipped into the 50s last night briefly. Oh, um, so, yeah, it's getting cold out here. I wore a jacket to work, so... Uh, but I'm doing great. Likewise, I was doing some traveling, was briefly back in the motherland um, for a friend's wedding. A listener, actually. Shout out Brian and his lovely wife, Morgan. Shout out. Um, and uh, yeah, good times. Uh, watched the Ravens with my parents. Was about the most relaxing Ravens game I can remember watching in quite some time. So big, uh, big fan of that. And uh, yeah, excited to uh, get back recording with you guys. Ravens winners in Cincinnati, 49 to 13. Yes, that's right. 49 to 13. The Ravens drop another, let's call it a 50 point bomb on a team <laughs> uh, this season, and they improve to 7 and 2. 
we normally do a you know good, bad, and ugly sort of conversation, but that it's going to be a little skewed this week. So uh, everything was good, I think, this week. Not much uh, that could have gone wrong. Yeah, when uh, the defense effectively outscores the other team's offense, <laughs> you're having a pretty good week. And uh, that kind of buries the lead um, because Lamar Jackson might win the MVP. I say might, but another perfect passer rating day for Lamar Jackson, 15 of 17, 223. One of those incompletions was a spike uh, on an, uh, when they tried to uh, motor down the field at the end of the half. Um, added 65 rushing yards, including what might be the single greatest touchdown I think a QB has ever had in the NFL. It's in the it's on the short list. It's in the top five. Uh, so, yeah, a delightful day all the way around. Uh, offense was rolling. Defense um, a little bend, but that was due to uh, hyper efficiency, I think, by the offense. It was a great game. Jason and I were texting Tim uh, during this game, and since Tim was in, New Orleans, I think you, you had a little bit of trouble sometimes getting to a screen, and so uh, a television screen, I should say. So when Jason and I saw that Lamar Jackson run, we pretty much just, both of us just started yelling at Tim that he needed to find a screen or a Twitter account or some sort of video replay of one of the greatest quarterback runs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so here's how this happened. First of all... <laughs> The, I'm going to go back in this text thread because this is going to become a regular feature. The, you said there's no <laughs> negatives. Jace Evans at 240 Eastern. Our defense sucks even with the pick six. I stand by this. So wow. I'm glad it turned around, obviously. Um, but yeah, like you said, I had a difficult time finding the game. I had to rewatch it um, when I got back into the great state of Maryland, or should I say, I guess, D.C., which is not as great. Um, and... I was at a bar watching my other favorite team, Liverpool Football Club, destroy Man City and take a big step towards their first ever Premier League title at this wonderful place called Finn McCool's. Highly recommended if you're in the New Orleans area, not only for waking up in the morning to watch soccer, it's a big sports bar as well. They had iced Irish coffees, which were just absolutely incredible. So me and... My girlfriend went there to watch the game because it was earlier in the morning. Didn't want to wake up everybody else who was with us at the time. They text us and hand up. Love all these people to death. Can't wait to see them again. They're at a wine bar in the great city of New Orleans, which is known for outdoor drinking and rambunctious fun and uh, big Saints fans, NFL fans, sports fans. They're at a wine bar. Everybody's OK with this except for me. I say, whatever, I would like to hang out with my friends. I'm just going to get updated by my, my two co-hosts here about what's going on. And then I get Lamar. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tim, get to Twitter highlights now. I'm screaming because I'm updating Twitter on my phone, sitting here listening to jazz flute or some Ron Burgundy <laughs> crap. And, and it won't update. It won't update. It won't update. Finally, it comes through. And my Lord, you could not get me off my phone for the rest of the day. <laughs> I, I just sat there. I usually have my screen on lock. I unlocked it. I flipped it. I was watching it horizontally. And to the point where Sky was looking at me and laughing because I'm sitting there at this wine bar. Everybody's talking and having a good time. And I'm just like, <laughs> he's going to win MVP. <laughs> this is the most remarkable thing I've ever seen. Passing it to everybody at the table who, by the way, 
are not Ravens fans and just saying, look at this. This is a modern Marvel. Please watch this. Please be joyous with me. One of the best runs I've ever seen. It like for for me, uh, it, it's up there. It's way better than the Vic run against Minnesota that everybody loves to talk about. I think it's up there with the Marshawn Lynch hold my something run from the playoff game <laughs> against the Saints. It was absolutely incredible. That spin move you can't even do on Madden. Trust me, I've tried. I'm no good at it. He he took two guys out with that. And um, yeah, I, I would have loved to have a camera on me for this because I was sitting there in awe and just giggling to myself and like was just had a was beaming, not because of the jazz flute, not because of the beers, but because of Lamar freaking Jackson. Now, I don't I don't really want to talk about the MVP stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, this is a Ravens podcast. I guess we sort of have to. I'm a little more reserved on that, um, basically, because just I'm nervous that we're going to jinx him, even though that's not how things work. Um, But yeah, absolutely incredible. And shout out to you guys. Thank you for letting me know, because I probably would have seen it a little later. And I needed that now. I needed that in my bloodstream as it happened. You needed the uh, the instant instant reaction. Yeah, so that it, Lamar sort of had three or four weeks now where it's like the coming out party of Lamar Jackson yeah. being a superstar and potential MVP and all that running back, quarterback, wide receiver conversation. But I, I'm saying this mostly because I want to sort of tamp down on the MVP buzz. The Bengals are bad. Yeah. They are bad. They were bad. They offered zero resistance on, I would say, 85% of the offensive snaps. The first drive... I don't know if it got the third down. Maybe once in that drive it got the third down. So I, I'm I'm hesitant to sort of get too, too excited. I don't want him to win MVP, quite frankly. I want him to constantly <laughs> be trying to get better and better and never peak. Um, but this game was just, it was a joke. It was terrible. The Ravens were up 14 in the first after the first quarter. A few drives, to, uh, as Jace mentioned, that Cincinnati put together in the second and third quarters ended up leading to... Uh, a touchdown in the second quarter, and then a pick six. Ryan Finley, not good. 16 of 30 for 167 yards. At a certain point, he was getting chased by Ravens on every time he dropped back. Once the Ravens had a few touchdowns on him, it became, uh, you know, pin your ears back and go get poor Ryan Finley. So (laughs) it's a positive game. It's a blowout game. I view it similar to the Miami game where I don't want to take too many things away because just of how bad Cincinnati looked, who at this point are leading the conversation to get the number one pick. So, Jace, I want to hear your thoughts on on this MVP conversation, uh, or are you also not taking too much away from from this game? I'm not taking too much away um, because the Bengals are horrendous. And, um, yeah, like, they score on their first drive. Lamar goes four for four on that. I believe Bengals go three and out. Ravens score their next drive. It's 14 nothing, and you're just like, all right, well, they're going to win this game. And there's like 10, like 40 minutes, 45 minutes still to play. By the way, it's fun having that feeling because that is yes. incredibly <laughs> rare for a Baltimore Ravens team that, you know, would love to find a way to blow it. So continue. Sorry. Yeah, it was about the most relaxed I've ever been watching a game. I just had a nice conversation with my mom and dad throughout the afternoon as we just kind of watched them pile up the uh, the offensive yards. Um, but I will just say I am still, I believe, on the Russell Wilson train. Uh, part of that is similar to what Tim said. I'm superstitious and partly 
I don't think I could wrap my mind around a Ravens um, offensive player winning MVP. Quarterback. <laughs> Quarterback. Quarterback. <laughs> um, but Lamar Jackson is doing incredible stuff. Now, like you said, his two perfect passer ratings have come against the uh, Miami Dolphins and the now Cincinnati Bengals. Still, he's the only person to uh, only other person besides Ben Roethlisberger in 2007 who has had two perfect passer rating games in a year, which I think is notable given, you know, the knocks on him, um, I think, coming into the year where can he really pass or whatever. Um, And he's not doing it via dink and dunk. He had a 13.1 yard average, including that awesome bomb to Marquise Brown to open the game, which I think really set the tone. Um, But all that being said, I still... I'm hesitant, I think, to say Lamar is MVP, but at the same time, the cases against him keep shrinking as the Ravens keep piling up wins. Like, if the Ravens end up with a top two seed and Lamar has the first 3,000-yard, 1,000-yard season in NFL history, it's going to be hard to not give it to him just based on him doing something we haven't seen before. So I see both sides of the argument, but I'm with you guys that maybe even superstitiously, I don't know that he should win or want him to win. (laughs) Still seven games left to go in the season. A lot to be determined for sure. Uh, Before we, uh, we move on, I want to talk about just a few other positive notes from this game. JC touched on it just a little bit. Marquise Brown gets one of my like stars of the game in a game where everybody did well. I was very pleasantly not surprised, but happy to see Marquise Brown four receptions on four targets, 80 yards and a touchdown. All four of those receptions were totally different types of catches. One was the deep route to start the game. Uh, He caught like a little bubble screen that he then turned into like 12 yards when there were three defenders in front of him. Uh, and then the touchdown pass late in the game. That was a great where, catch. It was a great catch, a great throw. Lamar Jackson, nice to see him sort of the, the pocket passer stereotype is being able to stand in the pocket when you see pressure coming onto you and deliver the throw. And that was it was exactly what that that he did on that play. He had pressure from two different players, got hit pretty hard, but still got like a 30-yard pass downfield right to his man. Uh, any other uh, positives that you guys want to touch on specifically? about this game we should say the pick six i don't know if we said the guy was marcus peters again um so that was another uh big play and at a moment not that the game was ever really in doubt there but it was 21-3 at the time with the Bengals. you know he took it nearly 90 sub yards so uh with them knocking on the door you know they score a touchdown there it's 21-10 that's not super close but it's also like still a game but you take that pick six to the house it's 28-3 that's game over against a team that bad um so that was a huge play and it was nice to see him uh you know um get another huge play he's what he's three pick sixes this year between both the ravens and the rams so and pretty incredible year by him so far yeah the the whole marcus peters is nosy as they like to say has paid off so far <laughs> uh for the ravens we'll talk about it when we get into our preview of the texans game it it I have a feeling at some point it's going to come back to bite us. I'd rather it be in the regular <laughs> season than the playoffs, um, but we'll see. My, my only note is, because again, there's not a ton to say, and we do want to get into more preview, seeing as this is a later episode. We talked about it a little bit, that this had some trap game implications, <clears throat> and Ravens teams in the past are known for horrible, horrible losses in times when 
You absolutely did not need them. Um, and this is another one of those things where seven and two looks so much better than six and three, uh, especially well in the hunt now for a first round buy. So a really good job by this team, incredibly well coached, and they have the right mentality where they know to take every opponent as seriously as the last opponent and um, and to not fall into that trap game and to convincingly win against albeit a very bad team was really, really nice to see. It sort of seemed this week specifically that it was a situation where the trap game got talked up so much in the week prior to the game that the players even knew the term, the coaches knew the term, the media had been asking them specifically, you know, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, is this going to be the trap game? In other years, that was just a team, a bad team that the Ravens played and lost to. And and then it was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I can't believe the Ravens fell into this. That's happened several times in the history of the Ravens, in the recent history, that it almost had a narrative written on it before the game even happened. And I, I think that ended up helping. I listened to some of the the Baltimore Ravens release, uh, like the sounds of the game basically now, a few days after the game. And there were multiple clips of players on the field saying, this isn't a trap game, this isn't a trap game. So it was just sort of kind of nice. The media, uh, in a negative way, did their job uh, that week <laughs> by sort of asking them 800 times if this is going to be a trap game because it's such a common phrase now. You're welcome because we talked yep. about it on Pod Like a Raven. <laughs> yeah. so we'll, take, go, we'll, take that, we'll take that win yep, sure. uh, for them. Pod Like a Raven, want to know. Uh, so we'll move on. We'll move on from this uh, Ravens Bengals game. I guess the last thing I did want to touch on very briefly last week, we talked about the Ravens uh, Heisman Trophy winners on the roster. And then in the next game, the Ravens put all three on the field at the same time. That is a great point. Uh, something. Thank you for bringing that up, because uh, admittedly, I did forget about it. This is one of those things where Greg Roman is starting as we get later in the season to open up his bag of tricks just a little bit and we haven't seen the last of that formation, and we haven't seen the last of things that we haven't even seen yet, if that makes <laughs> any sense. I mean, this is this is going to be really, really fun to watch, uh, especially coming up against some of these. We've got some tough games coming up. 49ers, Rams in L.A. as another one. He's really going to open that stuff up, but not too much because you want to save some for the playoffs as well. And seeing that type of stuff and being able to execute it, too. It's not just a gimmick is is very very tasty so i i wonder i am extremely curious i almost want to fast forward through the next few games don't i think a play like that i don't think we're gonna see robert griffin on the field again for the next few okay. weeks i think it's the, the sort of that counter move you're in a blowout game against a terrible team why don't we throw this other other formation out there that now teams have to prepare for that they think they may see next week and he just doesn't do it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe they do variations of that. I'd like to see it as long as Robert Griffin III doesn't throw the ball. Yes, because, uh, absolutely. Because it only took him a few <laughs> attempts in mop-up duty to throw an interception. So, you know, it's raining in a little bit. But I am curious, Tim, to see to see just how much we start to see from from this offense in the next few weeks. So let's let's move on then. Let's. Oh, actually, a few things. Last things about the Ravens, uh, specifically in the past week. Some personnel moves. Uh, we talked when recapping the Patriots game, we talked about how we were shocked that Cyrus Jones finished the game <laughs> after his fumble uh, on the punt in the first quarter. Then we were shocked that he was still on the roster after the game. Well, it didn't take long. Uh, he is gone now. Cyrus Jones, uh, I don't know the official uh, designation they use for him, but no longer on the roster. I don't know if he was cut or, or, or waived or something like that. Anyway, 
He was picked up by the Denver Broncos. The Ravens now have DeAnthony Thomas uh, as the new <laughs> kick returner, punt returner. Tim, uh, thoughts on him? Uh, first of all, one of my favorite players ever in college football and my second favorite Twitter account behind Ed Reed. <laughs> a longtime um, favorite of Tim and I's on Twitter. A longtime <laughs> favorite. The man, it seems like that. I, I, I'm going back. This is one thing that uh, me, Jace, and I remember Danny Golden was a big fan of this as well. Back in college, a friend of ours. Where we just send each other DeAnthony Thomas tweets because they're always in all caps and they're always absolutely incredible. Um, here's here's one. I'm not going to scream them, but they are on. Everything's in all caps, and now it looks like everything is linked to an Instagram post. So now I'm going to have to follow him on, on him on Instagram. Excuse me. I can't look up to you, lames. We got out own drip drip. That's one. Hot fire. I know exactly what that means. Yeah, same. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, there's some that I definitely cannot read. Uh, <laughs> I promise I will never stop going in. If you ever make it out, you give them different advice. And, uh, let's end with this one. Ha ha. Mom sent me that. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. The guy was electric in college. It hasn't really translated to the NFL to be fair, but Look, I I'm, I feel bad for Cyrus Jones. He was a Baltimore guy. It's cool seeing a hometown kid kind of get a chance with the local team. But those mistakes can't happen. And we'll see. I mean, maybe DeAnthony Thomas is that guy kind of he's maybe he still is a little bit of that game breaker. He was in college, but it's going to be kind of a wait and see approach with that. Two other moves the Ravens made fearing uh, the injury to Michael Pierce may be worse than we think. They also added not one, but two defensive tackles. Damata Pecco and Justin Ellis. Jace, I ask you, concern about Michael Pierce for the fact that they got multiple defensive tackles? I definitely think so. They they downplayed it during the week and said, oh, he's like day to day. And then you signed two veterans. Now, you know, Damata Pecco should be familiar to Ravens fans. You'll remember him as the guy with the hair from the Bengals uh, <laughs> for a very long time. Um and then I don't know much about Justin Ellis other than his nickname is Jelly, which is A+. In, That's excellent. In, <laughs> all the way in. The only thing I, I read about Damata Pecco and why I think there's sort of not as much of a concern getting two guys as opposed to one is that Pecco had already tried out a few weeks ago with oh, the Ravens. Interesting. And then didn't sign hmm. because he didn't love the contract that the Ravens gave him. And then after a few weeks... Damata Pecco and his agent came to the Ravens and reapproached the situation about whether he could join or not. Uh, may have taken, maybe had decided that the offer a few weeks later was now going to be just fine. Did not get many other offers. Right, yeah. right. Um, I actually like the move. It's another veteran. I'm dying to see uh, if this is yet another pickup that ends up being a positive move for the Ravens, but... It's depth uh, at a small cost to the team. Yeah, it'll be interesting seeing that hair not match with the orange because it was orange <laughs> long hair matching with the Bengals uniform, and it was pristine. Yeah. I, I love. And then cool he was hair. on the Broncos, more orange. Oh, true. And then he was on the Broncos, <laughs> big orange guy. Maybe he was waiting for them to come back to him. Um, yeah, I mean the veteran presence is great. It, it for me, it's I'm more worried about Michael Pierce and what this means if they're signing two defensive tackles. Because that guy is a monster in the middle of the defensive line. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that it's nice kind of having those guys out there to pluck off, the, quote unquote, the street, even though they have been playing, um, if needed. And, and with Pierce, that was kind of, I think, really the only success the Bengals had. He goes down on the first play, and I think they ran probably for more yards than we sort of 
might have anticipated now didn't end up mattering much because the Bengals fell in such a big hole. But he's important. He's an important piece to the Ravens. So hopefully he's able to get back out there sooner the better. But if not, you hope these veterans can kind of step in. I did have just one very small final thing I just wanted to say about the Ravens-Bengals game. And it's that Kevin Harlan rules, the CBS uh, announcer. Um, I am just very appreciative that we have that great call on that Lamar Jackson touchdown run. I'll be watching over and over again for the rest of my life um, when he said, oh, he broke his ankles. He is Houdini. And <laughs> it's just great. He rules. And I don't know why CBS puts him on such bad games every week, but uh, this is second Ravens uh, Bengals game he called this year. So big fan of his. Oh, and you'll get to who we have this weekend. Because it's going to be a little check, different. But I, I was hoping it would be the other CBS crew, but I, I sense from your tone it's not. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Let's move on to the AFC North now, where the Steelers, in yet another extremely frustrating game, they have won again. They're now 5-4, and four, uh, beating uh, the Los Angeles Rams, who did not look good at all. Steelers now officially in the playoff hunt, officially a concern. Uh, the Ravens will get them in the last week of the regular season. But, Jace, I know you uh, you watched this game or, or at least did a little bit of prep on this game. I know you, you're you're fluent in the language of dumb Steelers victories, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss to you uh, for this Yeah, I, I watched almost all of this game. Um, was doing some uh, stuff with the parents, but had it on the background when I wasn't fully paying attention to it. It's in, unbelievable that they continue to win games like this. Like Mason Rudolph is not good at all. Their offense in general is not that good, but their defense is really good. And that's upsetting as we've, uh, you know, the Steelers haven't had that great a defense since, you know, James Harrison kind of got old and Troy Palmalu uh, retired. It's They've kind of been in the wilderness a bit. And now, that defense is nasty. They force takeaways. The Minka Fitzpatrick trade, which we all questioned at the time, he potentially has a kind of stealth defensive player of the year candidacy going because he, I believe, leads the AFC at interceptions since he was traded. Um, and he took a fumble that looked like a tuck rule, but I guess wasn't to the house um, against the Steelers and uh, or against the Rams on Sunday. It's unbelievable, and we should have seen this coming. Like, the Rams were due for just a stupid loss. I kind of had a sinking feeling going into the game. Um, the line didn't make sense. You're like, the Rams are much better than the Steelers. But, alas, the Steelers did their normal uh, Heinz Field, Dom Wynn shenanigans and escape with yet another victory. And as you said, if the season ended today, they're in one of the wild card spots. So... Yeah, I hate it. We got that. I hate it. Got one for us. I hate everything about it. <laughs> we'll talk about the Rams in a couple weeks because we do have them in two weeks' time on Monday night. Um, advanced heads up. That'll be a little bit different recording time, too, obviously, because we're not going to record on a Monday night during the Ravens game. No one would listen to that. <laughs> Should do a live recording during that, the Yeah, th- that would be great radio. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Steelers have Browns, Bengals, Browns. Browns as we're recording, I should say. So that result will be up uh, by the time you listen to this. Cardinals, Bills, Jets, at Ravens. Like, 
Jesus. There's a case for them going. <laughs> they might run the table. There's on a that. case for them going eleven and five, and that only loss coming to us again. Obviously, we'll see what happens tonight. I don't have a ton of faith in the Cleveland Browns, and rightly so. Um, you know they're going to be a problem. I don't really have anything else to say about it. If you're if you're listening to this podcast, you're more than likely a Ravens fan. You've seen this before. You've seen this every time. Go back and listen, and it's on social media. Go back to listen to Jace's rant from last week about the Pittsburgh Steelers because he nailed it. They find a way to win stupid games. The Minka Fitzpatrick trade, which we all not only questioned but laughed at at the time because that could have been a top five pick. Oh, no, it just works. Don't, don't worry about it. No, it'll be fine. He's just going to he's gonna pick off a pass every single game that he's, that he's in Pittsburgh. It makes no sense. Mason Rudolph is horrible. It's the, the best. Bad. The best thing that can happen from this is they decide. Wow, this Mason kid. He's a real leader, an absolute leader. Led us to an eleven and five record or a playoff berth. Maybe make a surprise run and then lose in the divisional rounds to the Ravens. Maybe we're going to stick with this kid for the future because he might be the kid. And Tomlin's that stupid. He, I mean, he might do that. But that is the only positive I see out of this is that maybe Mason Rudolph is their quarterback going forward because he's he's basically the one negative they have. I mean, he's the reason they're dragging. This offense is dragging, in my opinion. I mean, there's they've got weapons pretty much everywhere. I love James Conner. Juju's very good, obviously. But they're being carried by a defensive unit that I, I can admittedly say I'm a little jealous of, even though I like our guys and the, the improvement that they've made recently. But God, it's annoying. Like, it's just frustrating. The, the Mason Rudolph thing is the reason I don't see them running the table. You have been saying Or, or winning a yeah. bunch of games. And I mean, I said that. Unfortunately, they've won four in a row already. But <laughs> yeah, maybe, So maybe shut games, up. Games they shouldn't have won that they've somehow won. Uh I think that I am I'm curious to see the Steelers play the Browns twice uh, in a short period of time. I think that's a split. Uh, would love to see them lose this game in Cleveland now that the Browns have like a tiny bit of a rational confidence. It seems weird rooting for Cleveland. Like, again, you'll know the result, but I'm, I'm rooting for Cleveland. It's a good. It's good. That they're good. They should cancel each other out. And this is a thing where let let's let them cancel each other out. And the Ravens will just kind of keep going and then play uh, the Steelers late in the year. But. I sort of forgot James Conner was out the last few weeks. That's definitely impacted their offense. I think he's back in tonight, so that'll probably help stabilize, uh, you know, stabilize the ship. But on the long term, Mason Rudolph, you're right. He's not good. His numbers have not been good in any of these games. Tim, to your point about him taking over, I am going to be curious. Roethlisberger, if he comes back, they're obviously going to put him in the starting lineup. But does that mean they just make... Mason Rudolph the backup for another year or two and then say, hey, but we'll just wait for you to come back to be the starter in a few years. I no, feel like that doesn't no, ever happen look, like that. that so was, we're in a weird situation. That was unbridled optimism from me. I think that they're all jokes aside about Mike Tomlin. I think the organization in general is smart enough to realize this is a pretty big sample size we're getting from this guy and he's not the answer. But um, yeah, I, I, God, I don't know. I, I, I really hope it, it would terrify me. But I really hope somehow it comes down to Ravens Steelers, and we can knock them out of the playoffs. I, th- I think there's a very good chance. And that that's I the case. don't care if we've got a first round bye locked up. I don't care if there is nothing to gain from that game. I would want them to go in spears up, like Mister Billick used to say, 
And and it would be it would be almost the most satisfying thing of the season over the win against the Seahawks, over the win against the Patriots, over the upcoming wins against the Rams and 49ers. Knocking them out <laughs> of the playoffs in week 17 would be oh, it would bring so much joy to my heart. Uh, it would be delicious. But I'm sure they're going to get uh, Antonio texted me at one point. There were eight fumbles. I believe it was the the number you texted me uh, in that uh, Rams Steelers game. I have the it's box. So st- yeah, there were a total of eight fumbles between the two teams. Uh, <laughs> multiple defensive touchdowns, I think. Was there also a safety? Yeah, Is this Rams, the same? Well, yeah, Rams scored uh, nine points on offense and lost, or uh, nine points on defense and lost the game. There were also um, three Pittsburgh interceptions. There were So they're not 11 turnovers because some of the fumbles were recovered, but... Right. The point is, there were basically eleven turnovers in one game. <laughs> eleven turnovers, a safety, and multiple defensive touchdowns. And the Steelers still only won by what five? By five points. <laughs> so it's actually, this so. is a, a fantastic box score. If you look at the box score of the Rams Steelers game, the fourth quarter, the points were two to three. <laughs> to make it, I hate it to so 12. much. It's so frustrating. Their defense is for real, and I. I want us to be in a position to knock them out of the playoffs, but uh, my fear is that that is for first place in the AFC North to end the year. So. <laughs> Another team in the AFC North who also won a game this past week was the Cleveland Browns. They, uh, they had lost four in a row. They've now won one in a row, and they're three and six. They're annoyingly going to think they're still in the conversation. Uh they won an also an ugly game against the clearly overrated Buffalo Bills. I'm not concerned about the Browns, but are they are they dead or are they still sort of on life support and and trying to steal a game against the Steelers this week? Uh, not to curse it, but they're dead because they're the Cleveland Browns. Um, I will say they do have. a. I mean, this this schedule is ridiculous. The ones and we talked about it at the beginning of the year that how our schedule was backloaded in terms of tough games for the most part. And the Steelers and uh, the Browns were pretty front loaded, although theirs wasn't as difficult because they didn't have to play some of the division winners like we did because we are the defending AFC North champions. If you forgot Uh, Steelers twice, like we talked about one of those being played as we record in the middle of that home to the dolphins. Then they get the Bengals at the Cardinals Ravens at home and at the Bengals and then at the Bengals, they play the Bengals twice the Cardinals and the Dolphins in their final matchups here. I mean, Dolphins maybe maybe sneaky competitor. True, true. <laughs> Dolphins are not who we thought they were, and they ruined the. Toilet. They're building something. Yeah, they ruined the toilet bowl, which is annoying. But um, I I don't think you know three and six. You're basically going to have to run the table at this point to get into this AFC North, which is incredibly muddy. This playoff picture is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I think they're dead in terms of that, but you know. If they start to find a little bit of a groove and then we get them in week 16 and we, you know, kind of need a win if we're who knows if we struggle with a couple of games or something like that, they would make me a little bit nervous. Yeah. So let's turn to the NFL as a whole with you talking about that complicated playoff picture. Looking at the AFC, Patriots, Ravens, Texans, Chiefs, those are the four division leaders at this point. It's more than likely, statistically, that all four of those teams end the season as the division winners. And then you just have a mess of five and four, five and five, even four and five still alive. The Bills currently have the fifth seed. I am, I would say, quite confident that they're not going to end the season as the fifth seed. Um, the Steelers 
at five and four, the Raiders at five and four, the Colts at five and four, the Titans at five and five, who sort of they've started to put some things together with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> then there's still a few teams. Jacksonville Jaguars at four and five. They get Nick Foles back this week. And then the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, who are always around at four and six. Those are <laughs> one, two, three, eight teams competing for two spots. Uh, so it is, <laughs> it is going to be a mess. That makes me think that the Pittsburgh Steelers have an even better chance of getting a wild card just because they seem to be the strongest of these remaining teams. But I want to get your thoughts. Uh, if you had to pick two of these teams that you think are going to make it to the playoffs, which one of these teams do you think sort of maybe an, uh, an underdog team, uh, sleeper team to, to steal one of those last two spots? Uh, I so, mean, it's going to be – We don't. do we know how long Brissett is out? Excuse me for not looking at that. Is he out for a while? When do we know he's coming back? Because – that kind of kills the Colts if he's out for an extended period of time. Yeah, not a it's big like real up in the Not a big Brian right Hoyer guy. I love playing against Brian Hoyer, not, you know, supporting Brian Hoyer. And you feel, I mean, they just lost to the Dolphins, who, again, building something. But, I mean, come on. If you're in the playoff picture, you can't be losing that game. Um, the Raiders? Like, the Raiders? I was about to say. Bad? The Raiders might make the playoffs, and I was listening to uh, The Ringer's Slow News Day. Kevin Clark, a good NFL writer, pointed this out. Their next two games are against the Cincinnati Bengals and New York Jets, and they're 5-4 and right now. So that certainly seems like 7-4. and Yeah, and from from there, too, you talk about about they have – now I'm trying to pull it up. You have the Bengals, Jets, like you said. Then they have the Chiefs, the Titans, the Jaguars – the Chargers, and the Broncos. So a very winnable games there. John Gruden, who we all laughed at when he got hired there, doing some decent things with that Oakland Oakland Raiders team. I like them. Um, it seems like they have a real path to 9-7. and seven, yeah. and that- I think the Bills are going to fall off. But, yeah, if I, if I had to pick two, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Steelers and the Raiders, as Chris Berman loves to say. Uh, Jacoby hey, Brissett. Absolutely- I'm sorry, Jace, just quickly. Jacoby Brissett has practiced this week, okay. is in line Make sure I read this right. Actually, is this week eleven? It is. Wow, this seems. Was, I know that, that was. Well, that's fast. that's when you said I want to fast forward through some of these games. I'm like, no, it's almost <laughs> over. Don't do that. So he Brissett <laughs> is in line to start in week eleven, which is this week. I've now found out. So okay, could could be back and and take back control of that team. But Chase, uh, back to you about your your thoughts. I hate it. I think the Steelers are the biggest lock of the group. <laughs> um, but uh, the Bills' schedule is still now. You know, losing to the Browns kind of opens that up. But their next two are against the Dolphins, against the Broncos, and they play the Jets still. They're already at six wins. Yeah, that's very true. They might they might stumble into the playoffs. I don't think they're a good team, but they have a leg up. I think, though, I think the Steelers are a lock, and I'm going to go with Tim. I'm going to say the Raiders do it. Give their... Um, Fans in Oakland, uh, 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 a memorable exit to uh, their time uh, back up in the Bay Area. I'm also looking, just looking through the schedule. I mean, the Titans still have two games against the Texans. That's going to be tough. The Chargers still have two games against the Chiefs. Those are the teams that sort of have to catch up uh, to get into the wild card conversation, and that's tough schedules, which ends up being so important. The Steelers are going to end up in the playoffs, and it makes me so angry because they're going to get so much attention about how they started the year 0-3 and and then really turned it around and bucked all those statistics that an 0-3 team can't make the playoffs. 
Blitzberg's back, baby. But, but in another sense, if they do make the playoffs, I'm not going to be concerned with Mason Rudolph leading them in any round of the playoffs. So I, I kind of welcome them in. There's not a lot of these teams that frighten me, actually. If you had to pick teams to make it for, for the sake of the Ravens uh, in the wild card, there's few teams that actually concern me. I, I, I would probably say the Chargers worry me the most of the teams that we've talked about <laughs> just because they're a team that handled us last year say, in, in the playoffs last year, pretty yeah. easily. Uh, Phil Rivers also leads the NFL in passing yards right now. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> they always seem to have these strange years where things are going well, but they're also under 500. <laughs> so we talked about the fringe teams. Let's talk about the top of the league. We, we decided uh, when prepping for this episode that we'd come up with uh, each our top five power rankings uh, of the NFL as a whole. Uh, I'm going to go first because I know your two top fives and I want you to disagree with me. I got the Ravens at number one and I didn't want to put them there because yeah. you can only go down from number one. Yeah. So when they lose this weekend, it's Antonio's fault. <laughs> but when I'm looking at the teams in the list, I have Ravens one, Patriots two, Packers three, Saints four, and then I guess the 49ers five. I want to put somebody above the Ravens, but it basically becomes a process of elimination. I can't put the Patriots ahead of them. Because guess what? uh, What, Tim? We beat the Patriots. Was it a close game? No, absolutely not. (laughs) I cannot put the Patriots one because of the loss to the Ravens and every other game was that cupcake schedule that we talked about in the first half. I want to see the Patriots beat another legitimate team until I can actually say that their uh, record is legitimate. The Saints, I want to put them higher up than four, but you can't just disappear in an important game against, I guess, your rival, who's been terrible all season at home. They got crushed by Atlanta at home. I cannot put them up in the top few spots. And then the 49ers, who were undefeated going into their game against the the Seahawks that they ended up losing, Jimmy Garoppolo throws, like, one disastrous pass every five or six attempts. He threw a few picks in that game. He could have thrown four to five interceptions, and that's going to be a situation late in the season, into the playoffs. You can't rely on the run game. You need your quarterback to lead you down the field, and I do not have a ton of confidence in him as sort of that, like, dependable passer that they're going to need, so... That's my five. I didn't know who to put above the Ravens. The Ravens have looked the best. They have the longest win streak in the NFL right now. They're number one. So, yeah, somebody I, else. I don't, I don't just, oh, man, it's tough. I mean, your argument is so valid. I don't know if I can really pick <laughs> it apart. Um, the one thing I would say, the, the, the Patriots thing for me, I completely agree with you. I actually have them at number four on my list. One, because I couldn't put them above the Ravens because they won by 17 points over the New England Patriots. And two, the point you make about let's see who they play. Now, some of the opponents they have coming up at Eagles, Cowboys, at Texans, Chiefs. It's a tough little little month and a half. This is what we'll see. The problem is I'm not discrediting Bill Belichick and, you know, a very, very old Tom Brady. So they're still in my top five, (laughs) although they're at number four. So I'll I'll do this reverse order. Coming in number five, the 49ers. um, Undefeated no more, losing to the Seahawks. But like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo is a is a liability. You know, he if their run game isn't going, I think, and you put it in his hands to win a game, I don't know if he can do it against the league's best, and that's why they dropped down to number five for me. Uh, I said Patriots four. I have the Baltimore Ravens at number three. 
Um, and one of the only reasons is this has been an incredible run. The pessimist in me is waiting for it to end. <laughs> like it's going to end at some point. Lamar's going to have a bad game and everybody's going to overreact and you're going to come to pod like a raven. Like, like, subscribe, share. And we're going to calm you down because he's it's he's going to struggle at some point. It's OK. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, outside of that, though, the only reason is I'm not super convinced by the defense yet. Yes, they've gotten way better with the addition of Marcus Peters. It seems to have changed a lot of things. Josh Bynes, LJ Fort, who we talked about. Um, but I still need to see it from them a little bit more consistently and not just against, you know, they, they played well against the Patriots and the Seahawks, but I just need a little more. Uh, number two, speaking of the Seahawks, even though we did beat them in Seattle, I have them at number two. Russell Wilson's my MVP. Um, Jadavion Clowney's finally starting to show up, which is terrifying. Uh, yeah, monster game on Monday night. Yeah. Monday night, by the way, we're not going to talk about it, but just an incredible game. I got home <laughs> super late, was about to go right to sleep. And then I flipped it on the iPad and I couldn't stop watching. And then I was very <laughs> tired the next day. I have the Seahawks at number two. Um, Tyler Lockett, by the way, is absolutely incredible, too. He's become the guy. Just throw it to him. He'll get it. You know, they need third and six. He gets six and a half. And number one, I know I'm ignoring. I was down there. Maybe it's because I was down in the great city of New Orleans and I was with some Saints fans watching the game while I was watching the Liverpool game, and they're incredibly nice people. Their food's incredible. Their drinks are cheap. But outside of that, Drew Brees is great. Their defense is great. I think the Atlanta thing was a blip, and they're going to come back, roaring back, I would say. And because of that, I have the Saints at number one. I I went with a similar reason. Saints are my number one. And I think a part of it was just projecting on my part because that was a horrendous game. No doubt about it. It might be the worst loss any team suffered this year, given where the Falcons were coming in, which was we were kind of all surprised Dan Quinn was still the coach. Um, they had seven sacks when they entered Sunday and they left. Uh, they uh, sacked Drew Brees six times, uh, nearly doubled their season sack total against one of the better offensive lines in the league. <laughs> That was confusing. Um, and I saw a stat that that was the least amount of points the Saints have ever scored uh, since Drew Brees joined the team in a game he started at the Superdome. So that was weird. I think I'm with Tim. I think it was a one off. I still think with the Niners loss, that still opens up the door for the NFC playoffs to run through New Orleans. And I think in some ways, I think a loss like that, you know, you don't want to say a loss is good, but it might refocus the team a little bit and be like, hey, if the Falcons can beat us, <laughs> we have to bring our A game every week. Um, I think I, I hate doing this. The New England Patriots are number two ahead of our Baltimore Ravens. Ooh. And a same thing. It's just kind of projecting. I think I put them just ahead of the Ravens because I think even with that tough stretch, I was looking at their schedule. It's still hard to see their record worse than, you know, 13 and 3, 12 and 4 by the end of the year. And if they're there, chances are the AFC playoffs are still going through Foxborough. And I just don't know if I'm ready for the Ravens. Like, if I think they can go into New England in January and win there. So I have them ahead of the Ravens for now. I have the Ravens at number three, um, which um, a good, maybe a good point. Uh, we've hit the uh, 16 start mark for Lamar Jackson in his career. He's now 13 and three. Seems good. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, 
So uh, Ravens are my number three. Uh, I have the Green Bay Packers at four. Um, kind of grinded out a win at Lambeau. They haven't looked necessarily spectacular, but they're eight and two. And I still think Aaron Rodgers, when push comes to shove, he's going to probably get it done. Um, and by that, I just mean have his team in every game all the time, every game. Uh, and then I put the 49ers just ahead of the Seahawks. It was a very sh- it was a great game, but it was also a very strange game where Russell Wilson threw just his second pick of the season when they were driving in overtime. Uh, the 49ers defensive line still nasty. Uh, they had that great strip sack of Wilson and then kind of the t- tackle who took the ball after him. Um, so I went with the Niners, just the edge for now. But I kind of think the Seahawks are pretty much on the same line with them. few last uh, news and notes. So d- Tim and Jace both putting the Saints at number one. I put them at four. Maybe I'm a little angry at the Saints because they <laughs> ruined a lot of people's uh, oh. teasers and, and parlays when they were like 13-point favorites. A lot of people's. A lot of people may yeah. have just had them just money line. A lot. And that just means you just have to win. <laughs> and they were 13-point <laughs> favorites. And they lost by a lot in a game that was... Frankly, not close in the end. Why Some are you getting so red? Why are you so red? Also, the 49ers. For all those other people. <laughs> the 49ers, who all three of us put fifth, uh, were one missed field goal by a backup kicker away from being undefeated. So maybe we're not giving them enough credit. Uh, Garoppolo. But we'll see. We'll see what Garoppolo does Garoppolo. in the next few weeks. We are going to move on to what's bothering Jace. I want to say one more quick thing. Dolphins, Jets, Falcons. All get win number two. What are they doing? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a great question. They're all pulling away from the number one pick in the NFL draft. I, I guess we now know that tanking still isn't something that teams are doing from top to bottom in an organization. Yeah, Cincinnati just sucks. Cincinnati's just bad. Uh, so maybe they do end up deserving that, that number one seed. Yeah, but yeah if, if, if the season ended today, the first two picks would be the Bengals, owned by Mike Brown, and the Washington Redskins, owned by Dan Snyder. So it turns out you just have to have a horrendous owner, and you'll uh, you'll fall into a top three pick. Yeah, Jace, we're all <laughs> Orioles fans. We understand that. Oh, we're drafted two this year. <laughs> Let's move on now to... One of our favorite segments here called What's Bothering Jace, where we uh, we ask our good friend what's grinding his gears, what's really uh, ticking him off this week. And, uh, and I think you got a pretty good one for us, Jace. What's bothering you this week? Well, Antonio, we have a battle, quote unquote, next gen QBs this week involving our Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans QB. Now, the Ravens haven't actually played at 1 p.m. Well, I guess they did this past week, but that was against the Bengals. But you think for a marquee matchup like this, this would be something, even by ahead of the season, you would probably say, that'll be a matchup people want. No. You know what the NBC game is this week? It's the Chicago Bears against the Los Angeles Rams, which is Mitch Trubisky, who hasn't thrown for more than 200 yards in a while, (laughs) versus Jared Goff, who was horrendous against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a uh, kind of nationally televised afternoon game. Just locking them in that spot. We're not flexing it. We're taking the L.A. and Chicago markets. The story of the day is undoubtedly going to be, regardless of what really even happens in the game, it's going to be Deshaun versus Lamar. MVP favorites. 
QBs of the future. Even played a very two very high profile college games against each other. No, we got to get Mitch and Mitch and Jared prime time. I think you I don't get it. I think you touched. I think it's the markets. I think it's just L.A. and Chicago. I guess at the beginning of the season, this was a game that looked like it was going to be tasty to put in primetime, and then it, they just are was. now too lazy to move it because they're two big markets. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and you're right. It was the defending NFC North and NFC West champions. But this game's not for really anything anymore. So, and Tim, uh, I'll cede the floor to you because uh, it seems like you're the bearer of bad news. I was going to assume that we were going to get uh, Nance or uh, yeah, Nance and Romo uh, on the call. Does not sound like we are this week. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, first of all, I completely disagree with you because primetime games for the Ravens are very, very stressful. They're 820 <laughs> over here. So that means we have to stay up very, very late. And then you can't fall asleep afterwards because you're anxious. You over there in sunny dreamland starts at 530. Good, good, good for you, my friend. You just go home from work and just yeah, go just go watch out. an NFL primetime game. The only reason that I agree with you slightly is because I'm going to have to watch this game on mute this Sunday because they gave us Dan Fouts, a man who should never be allowed to talk into a microphone ever again for the rest of time is on the best game of the NFL weekend. Poor Ian Eagle, a professional, a man with a beautiful broadcast voice. Why is he Ian, not Ian? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe this is the reason he has been cursed with Dan freaking Fouts. I'm, I'm telling you, Jace, the only reason I might listen to this game is just so I can take over this segment next week and write down every single quote that had me almost throwing my couch through my apartment window. They probably put Ian Eagle with somebody else, and then they realized... <laughs> Oh, this is wrong Ian? guy. Ian, I guess just go with Dan Fouts, yeah. I guess. Seems like a classic uh, name mix up there. He's not good. Uh, Fouts. <laughs> He's not good. And he should not He's be. He's horrific. <laughs> he should specifically not be on the call of this game between Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. Like, he's not going to know how to handle the conversation between these two Man, quarterbacks. Man, these quarterbacks are running a lot. I haven't They're seen They're running that like before. chickens with their heads cut off. Like, what are they doing? He's not going to know how to analyze their two skill sets, and it's going to be a disaster. Maybe a mute game. You know, that old-timey <laughs> thing where you turn the radio up and then mute the television, even though there's like a 10-second delay. I would listen to Jerry Sandusky uh, call this game. Stan White and Kadri Ismail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they're pretty bad, too. <laughs> they're not great, in my personal opinion. Uh, seem like very nice guys, but they are worlds better than the horror show that is Dan Fouts. Yeah, it's not so, good. Well, I'm just baffled. So do you happen to know where they're sending Robo and Nance? Why are they not on this game? I don't get that one at all, to be quite honest with you. I will have it for you momentarily. Yeah. It, so, yeah, long story short, Antonio, what's bothering me this week is it's very confusing why we're going to have this exciting, you know, uh, afternoon or uh, yeah, early afternoon game literally starts in the morning out here. And then uh, th- we're capping the night with... Uh, Mitch versus Jared, a battle of um, struggling. I don't want to say bus. <laughs> One of them definitely a bust. But uh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. The reason the reason why is because it's a one o'clock game. 
Nance and Romo. By the way, 506sports.com gives you your NFL maps about who's calling games. Incredible website. Highly recommend it. Um, Houston, Baltimore. High and equal and dead faults. Denver, Minnesota, which is the other early game that takes up most of the uh, most of the continental United States. Kevin Harlan and Rich Gannon. Kevin Harlan, like we talked about before. Great. Why is he on the Denver, Minnesota game? And Gannon's good, too. Gannon, I like Gannon as well. <laughs> Spirodides and Adam Archuleta. Fine. Give me that instead. They got the <laughs> Buffalo Miami game. Andrew Catalan, who I don't even know who that is, and James Lofton, former Steelers wide oh, receiver. They had, they had the week one call I mean, for Ravens Dolphins. Would be fine. Real quick, uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, they're doing the New England Philly game. Um, th- that game's going to be a bloodbath. We'll talk about that in the gambling that segment. So that's an annoying. But yeah, I, uh, uh, no, no more words on Dan Fouts. I can't, I can't take it. Either way, d- disappointment in broadcasting all around this week for the Ravens, I think. <laughs> I can't wait to see Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson's rushing yard total be higher than Trubisky and Goff's passing yards total. Because <laughs> neither of them are going to throw for a lot of yards. I don't know how Goff's going to throw on the Bears, and I don't know how Trubisky's going to throw on anybody. So we will have to see. Uh, but we'll, we'll get that game uh, nationally televised. So we're going to move on <laughs> now to... Uh, a random Ravens segment, one of our favorite segments of the show, where Tim is this week is going to try to offer one of those random Ravens uh, and try to stump the uh, the listener and Jason and I, giving us a few clues, and, uh, and then he'll answer it at the end of the show. So, Tim, who do you have for us? This I week? will say this is the first one that was emailed into us from a former uh, high school classmate of mine, Frankie Kelly. Thank you so much for the support and listening. He said he's got a he lives in Atlanta now, but he's got a big group of fans down there, uh, Baltimore locals, Ravens fans in general, that are very psyched about the team. And maybe just Falcons converts because they don't want to watch that team anymore. <laughs> I, who knows? Uh, but Frankie, apologies. This was sent a while ago and admittedly didn't didn't see it in there at first. Only makes it an even more random Raven as it, time passes. And let me tell you, <laughs> this is random. I tried to do my oh, best boy. to give you some clues. Frankie, Frankie would have absolutely... Uh, confused me and would have stumped me, I should say, if I was on the other end of this. Um, So here we go. Number one, I was drafted in the third round of the 2003 draft out of Georgia. In my final game for the Bulldogs, I carried the ball 23 times for 145 yards in a 26-13 Sugar Bowl win over Florida State. I think I already know who it is. I mean, <laughs> I think I do. Wow. I think I do. <laughs> Continue. Well, I'm going right. to write this down now. And then you take a look at it. Like, you take a look at it. Like, anyway, I'm according sorry. to pro football reference, I played in 49 games in five seasons with the Ravens, but only started one of them. The Ravens are the only team I played for. That's another case of he was signed by a team afterwards, but never made the regular season roster. So we don't count that. One of my other favorite clues here. Other players who wore my number for the Ravens include Sam Gash, James Ahedabo, and Eric Weddle. And well, I know the number. <laughs> final clue, and Antonio's got it, which is annoying. I, <laughs> I haven't looked. I, I'm, you seem very confident. During a Week 11 game with the Dallas Cowboys in 2004, oh, okay. I was infamously horse-collar tackled from behind by safety Roy Williams resulting in a severe compound fracture of my right tibia. <laughs> the injury Ouch. basically put me out of action for two seasons, playing only one game in 2005, 
and led to the NFL banning this sort of tackle in May 2005. So the horse collar tackle, now a 15-yard penalty, thanks to Roy Williams being one of the dirtiest players of all time. Those are your five clues. We'll get back to it at the end. I I believe I have it, too. You know what's funny? I'll I'll share it later. I was thinking of this guy as a potential one to do down the line, I think, if it's who I think it is. The the only reason that I came up with the name after the school with the time, with the year helping, obviously, is that because this is such that injury was so significant and so noticeable, I've looked this player up before just in other cases. I've looked Uh. him up before. And saw it, something clicked that he went to that school, so I've remembered it in the past. I was going to say, I was like, wow, Antonio was a big fan of the 04 Sugar Bowl. <laughs> See, that was the thing I thought that, that, that the Jace would be. Yeah, I was waiting for Jace to be like, oh that. yeah, duh. Uh, also, Georgia, just cranking out running backs, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're going to answer that at the end of the show. It's a great suggestion uh, Frankie. from, from yeah. Frankie. Great name. Uh, great story. That's a for, really for, strong for that one, yeah. Uh, Real blast from the past. And impacted the league. Not in a way he chose, obviously, but <laughs> it's a name that people recognize because of that rule change. So let's move on now to the game preview against the Houston Texans playing at the bank. Texans 6-3. and three. Texans coming off their bye. Terrifying. I watched highlights of the Texans to prepare for this, and the more I watched, the more and more scared I got of Deshaun Watson because he's essentially impossible to tackle. Yeah. Uh, runs around, completes passes. He has like four touchdowns this year where he was either in the in the grasp, on the way down, getting kicked in the eye, and is completing passes and winning games. Uh, and they're in first place in their division. So I want to get to what you guys like uh, about this game, what you're afraid of in this game. The one note I will say before I toss to the two of you is that I saw a tweet uh, earlier this week that the Texans were practicing outside this week to uh, acclimate to Baltimore weather. It was 45 degrees, and so they were really concerned that if it was going to be 45 <laughs> in Baltimore on Sunday and, and brisk and chilly, they better get some practice time outside to really get used to that. Jamison Hensley, cold. Ravens reporter right. for ESPN, quoted that tweet and said, the Ravens practice indoors today. Because it's about <laughs> the same temperature indoors yeah. as it is outside at 45, 50 degrees. So, That gave me a lot of irrational confidence because they're thinking of all the wrong things. But what are your thoughts uh, for this Texans game at home? I think the biggest key here, um, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think that might favor Deshaun, who I think might be a little bit better of a thrower than Lamar Jackson. But Lamar makes plays in all sorts of ways, as we know. Um, So I really want to focus on their offense versus our defense. Deshaun Watson terrifies me. I would put him at the moment an MVP candidate above Lamar. Not number one. I still think that's Russell Wilson. The Texans are sixth in yards per attempt through the air, eight yards per attempt through the air. The Ravens defense is 17th in that same category. Obviously been trending upwards. It was really, really bad in the beginning, but that still worries me. Their total pass offense sits 11th with 253, almost 254 yards a game. The Ravens are 20th in that same category, giving up about 253 yards a game. The number is very, very even. 18 touchdowns, five interceptions for Watson. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a beast, but we have got Marlon Humphrey. And you know what? I know Nuke is very good. Probably one of the best nicknames in the NFL, too, Nuke Hopkins. (laughs) Uh, I, I am confident in Marlon Humphrey shutting down, at least partially shutting down, um, 
uh, DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me, forgot his name there, just blanked. But I think Watson is versatile enough to get balls to other receivers and and find Hopkins for the occasional big play. Um, they, they're absolutely dynamic through the air. They're also pretty good running the ball as well. This this is going to be a huge test for this defense, and it's going to be it's going to be one of those things where, you know, for for lack of a better term, to be cliche and not break. You know, you're going to give up some big plays, but don't give up the really really decisive plays. I was surprised in researching this game um, that the Texans' run game was a lot better than I was anticipating it being, and when you combine that. With Deshaun Watson, who I agree, he is the number one thing that terrifies me um, about this game. And uh, I think um, in terms of just containing him, he is probably the most like the least talked about MVP candidate. He is sensational. He's completing 70 percent of his passes. He's got it's not the level of Lamar Jackson because no one is, but he's got great scrambling ability. Um if things break down and uh, I agree with you, he's able to create on the run. Um, he's getting sacked um, a lot less than he was last year. He's still going to get sacked a decent bit, but as we've talked about throughout the season, um, sacking the QB, it's not something the Ravens are particularly great at Nope. anyway. Uh, <laughs> and when you combine uh, kind of Watson's escapability, like you said, he's had nearly multiple touchdowns this season and incredible first down conversions where he's being tackled and just kind of behind his head or like falling down just kind of completes it how many so roughing gonna, how many roughing the passer penalties is he going to draw against us when oh, the ball's uh, gone one, and matthew judon, judon is still one, tackling him down for sure <laughs> nah, the, the over under on judon is at one and a half and i'm taking <laughs> the half. over i'm gonna go under on judon but then we get another one for brandon williams i think okay he's just just a big man sure they're say they they give big man falling on him real uh, real quickly before we move off the run game because it's something that is I like you said when I was doing research for the game shocked me too because they're so good through the air they also rank fourth in rushing and fourth in yards per attempt they've exceeded a hundred yards in seven of the nine games they played their highest total coming their last in week nine excuse me yeah their last game because they had a bye this week two hundred and sixteen yards on the ground against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they've got guys that'll hurt you in a bunch of different ways. Carlos Hyde leads the team with 704 rushing yards, averaging 4.7 yards a carry. Duke Johnson, kind of the third down back, he's averaging 5.3 yards a carry. So this defense, you know, the offense is going to have to score points, I I think, because I don't think the defense is going to be able to shut them down completely. But they're going to have to do their part and to make make sure that this is not as much of a shootout as the Texans, I think, want it to be. And so I had jotted that down. I think the key, and it's similar to what we saw the Ravens do uh, against the Seahawks in their big win, against the Patriots in their big win, they just got to keep the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, the team kind of return to a, a more smash mouth, run heavy game, certainly than we saw last week. Cincinnati, that was the the first game. The Ravens were so efficient on offense, it didn't really matter. But they were heavily dominated in time of possession for like the first time all year. Now, again, that's because they were scoring basically every play. Uh, but in this one, I think um, we're going to try to see the Ravens probably run a lot more, commit to the run a lot more, and just probably we'll see Lamar. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries goes over 100 yards just from getting attempts because um, I agree with you, Tim. I think the key 
against this Texans offense is just you can't give them the ball <laughs> if you want to win. And the, the Ravens have done such a good job of that time time of possession battle that you that you talked about. One of the things that they've done well is getting the ball first and scoring on the first drive. I, I think they've scored in like f- on the first drive and like four of their last a touchdown in like four of their last five games or something. It's even yeah, better it's, than that. It, they've scored on o- on their opening drive in eight of their nine games, six touchdowns and two field goals this season, and have outscored opponents eighty five to twenty four in the first quarter. And they've been able to just set that number, set that lead, and then you're you're playing to your strengths. The problem for me in this game is that the Texans only allow 84 rushing yards a game. Yeah. And that's what the Ravens want to succeed with. So it's sort of a a match of strengths here uh, that I hope the Ravens, they're not going to abandon it early, but I sort of envision this game where Ingram struggles early. He sort of gets stopped up several times up the middle. And Lamar Jackson is going to have to then take some of that running burden. I mean, we want him to throw more and run less, right, and, like, protect himself. But when you play a team that's really, really good against the run and you want to run the ball a lot, you have to be versatile with how you run. I mean, that that's what the Ravens do best. But I think they are going to take Lamar to the edge a lot in order to then go back inside with Ingram. Uh I, Tim, I think you're right. I think it is going to be a shootout. The over-under for this game is 52. I think it's there's a lot of opportunity there because this smells like a 31-28 type game to me, and, and that would clear the over by a lot. So it's going to be – I'm a little nervous, to be honest. I'm a little nervous about it, but uh, I can't turn away from this Ravens team that has won five games in a row. Yeah, and I started with our defense versus their offense because I think this matchup, flipping, is more important. Uh, like you said – Ravens, or excuse me, the Texans run defense very good, uh, allowing only around 80-some yards a game. Third in rushing defense, allowing only 4.1 yards per carry. But he hasn't faced a uh, run offense like this. We're the best offense in the league for a reason. Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate for a reason. Greg Roman, I'm terrified that he's going to get a head coaching job in the (laughs) offseason. I've thought about this. (laughs) For a reason. It's him and Kyle Shanahan in terms of the way they creatively run the ball. And I think we're still going to be able to do that effectively. They're third. We're first, baby. There's nothing else to say there. And here's the other thing, too. Last season, Lamar's a running quarterback. Lamar can't do it in the air. Lamar doesn't have the weapons. The Texans have the 29th ranked passing defense you know who's going to throw the ball all over him lamar freaking jackson's going to throw the ball all over him you know who's going to get that third and six mark andrews is going to get that third and six you know who they're going to target a couple times deep down the field hollywood brown (laughs) i think that keeping the ball is going to be so important but this is not going to be a ground and pound three yards in a cloud of dust it's third and four let's just run it to maybe run off some more clock and then punt it to deshaun watson deep in the end zone that's not hardball you know, we, we've talked about this multiple times. He's going to go for the dangerous play. He's going to take the risk because he believes in his guys. And I trust fully in Lamar Jackson putting it on his shoulders when he needs to and making those plays on third and six, on second and 12, or whatever it is. And it helps that there's no J.J. Watt, obviously pass rushing. They traded away Jadavion Clowney. He's not there anymore in terms of rushing the passer. And their defensive secondary just hasn't been very good. So, 
we talk about keeping the ball and, and it's interesting that when you when you talk about time of possession and long drives a lot of that is running the ball still very confident they can do that against this really good Texans run defense but even more so because I know Lamar can throw on this team starting corner I was watching the highlights of the Texans last few games and I heard the name Jonathan Joseph and I said that can't that can't be the same what is he 53 that can't be the same guy (laughs) he's a starting corner for them he's 35 years old wow (laughs) I remember him on those Bengals teams like 10, 12, 13 years ago, that's the guy we're going to take advantage of. I want him to cover Hollywood Brown and, and try yep. to stay a 35-year-old man trying to stick with uh, one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Yeah, with that too, the other thing, on a defensive secondary that isn't that good, they're going to try and feast off turnovers. You have to be smart with the football because that that, that is the thing that could kill this game for the Ravens is turning the ball over, which they haven't done too, too much this season. It hasn't been an epidemic in, in most games anyway. Um, but that's going to be very, very important as well. Will Fuller is questionable to play for the Texans. We'll have to see if, if he makes an appearance. That would be an issue because I'm, I'm curious if Marlon uh, does cover DeAndre Hopkins. He's got to. Throughout the, is that the right matchup, though? I feel like Hopkins is more of like a speed guy where Humphrey is more like the all-around wide receiver I, i'm, I'm you know, curious you know, if that's if well, he shadows so, him around the field basically. yeah sorry not to talk over but you know who i don't want on hopkins is marcus peters because marcus <laughs> peters is he's been great but he's another one of those guys that feasts off turnovers and he's nosy and you know who's going to torture him on a double move nuke hopkins i think marlin is good enough to stay with him you know, the, the speedster thing, he absolutely is that, but he's one of the best receivers in the NFL because he's not just that. And I think Marlon's going to be able to neutralize a lot of his game there. I mean, safety yeah. help is going to be big. Earl Thomas shading over that side is going to be huge. That's definitely going to happen. They're going to say Earl plays center field, but, you know, when you see number 10, maybe <laughs> go a little bit that way. Um, but I, I think it's I think Marlon on him is going to be the right move. I'm completely with you because Hopkins is so good. His hands are so good. You have to, like... <laughs> just have someone basically glued to him because if you give him any cushion he's gonna catch it and like you know in a passing league two-step drop if you give a guy a little slant like don't take that seven yards and Hopkins isn't a guy who's like afraid to go over the middle or anything so uh I I think I'm with him I think you gotta put Marlon Humphrey on him and let and we should mention Jimmy Smith is back he played against the Bengals nearly had a pick um so that'll certainly help too um with deal with some of the uh, Texans other kind of outside threats um, I'm very terrified of who's covering their tight end uh, Daniel Fells who has a lot of touchdowns this year and I, we've never Ravens as presently constructed have never been a great cover the tight end team um, but uh, I guess that's an Earl Thomas responsibility as well um, and the only thing I, I wanted to circle back Tim's point about the um, unique uh offensive approach and the ravens do ha- have the best offense which is a real thing we can say in 2019 um is we we talked about similar a similar thing actually in regards to run defense um entering the game against the patriots uh patriots had a really stout run defense really stout pass defense and obviously in that game um the ravens uh you know i don't want to say had their way but and they won by 17, lest we forget. Um, so I'm confident that uh, 
the Ravens can still find success against a defense that um, isn't led by Bill Belichick, I guess. <laughs> um, and I think Lamar will have probably success through the air if they're going to win the game. But uh, I'm not as concerned, I think, about the Texans run defense either. One of the this will be one of the big tests for this reconstructed defense. I just want to add this one note. Absolutely. This is going to be the tackling challenge, basically. These are yep. some big guys, <laughs> athletic guys. Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, Deshaun Watson are all going to be tough to tackle out of the backfield catching passes. Obviously not Deshaun Watson's not going to be catching passes, but getting outside of the tackle box, getting wide on runs inside. It's just this is going to be where the LJ Forts, uh, the Josh Bynes, these additions that Eric DaCosta got when he watched the Ravens be unable to tackle any single player on the Browns, uh, that's when the change was made and all of a sudden the tackling issues were, were cleaned up. Let's see how they hold up against an offense that is all about yak and, and yards after contact. <laughs> I'm very concerned with the Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, but the game is uh, Ravens favored by four at home. Uh, unless you guys have some other points to make about this game, we're going to go to the lines. I saw this one stat. I think it was Jamison Hensley who brought it up, but uh, Baltimore, 0-5 against the spread in their last five games as a home favorite, which sounds about right. It kind of sounds like the Ravens <laughs> underperforming at home. However, underperforming, but still winning because they're 6-1 and one straight up in their last seven games as the home favorite. That's basically what I see happening in this game. I'm going to continue along that trend. I would be more scared, but I can't go against the Ravens when they've won five games straight. I want to be proven wrong, basically, for them to lose a game. So the Ravens will not cover the four points, uh, but they will win at home. This smells like a shootout. The Ravens get the ball last, and Justin Tucker boots a field goal for the win, and they win by a few points. So I actually have the Ravens covering this. Um, yeah, you do. Yeah. I'm dying no, to see the text messages three minutes into the first quarter. <laughs> I actually why? laid real money on it this time. No, why? Um, as you said, Ravens longest win streak since 2006, um, which is impressive considering how good the, you know, the number of teams they've had between then and now that have been, you know, a Super Bowl champion in that span. Um, so, uh they're definitely rolling right now. Um, I think, you know, the Patriots, we say what you will about the Bengals game, but that was impressive wins against the Patriots, impressive wins against the Seahawks. And um, I think until someone, the Chiefs are the last team really that has significantly forced the Ravens game or the Ravens off kind of script. The Browns game got away from them late, but that was still a pretty close game for a while. Um, so I think the Ravens are rolling right now. Um, I think Lamar Jackson, we've talked about in past weeks, he is a guy who is locked in, as he said, the, uh, these incredible videos that the Ravens social media department has been putting together yeah, this year. To them. Uh, They've been great. Yeah. Um, the latest one that went viral for them is, uh, Lamar Jackson talking to John Harbaugh and John Harbaugh saying like, there'll be kids wearing number eight jerseys for the next 20 years. And Lamar basically being like, yeah, okay, but let's win a Super Bowl. That's awesome. <laughs> Fired me up. I'm about to run through this wall right now. That's man. a conversation that is normally the other way around with a 22 year old <laughs> and their head coach. I keep forgetting this man is 22 years old. Yeah. Turns 23 in January. So 
That's a good place to be. Um, so I think, and the team definitely obviously feeds off Lamar. He's the unquestioned leader of this team at this point. It's going to be a tough challenge. I think in some ways they'll be tested maybe even more than the Patriot against the Patriots because, you know, Deshaun Watson is obviously a whole different type of quarterback than really anyone. I guess Russell Wilson, kind of the closest equivalent, but perhaps... Deshaun, even more dynamic. I think it'll be a tough challenge, but I do think the Ravens get the win on Sunday. Yeah. Um, my dumb brain tells me that this <laughs> longest winning streak for the Ravens since 2006 has to end at some point. <laughs> the Texans are 0-4 in Baltimore, and I don't give a hoot about your 0-5 against the spread, because guess what? The spread doesn't matter. I'm I'm with you exactly. Texans plus four, but they're not walking out of the bank with a W. I'm way too confident in this Ravens team right now, which is a very weird feeling <laughs> to feel comfortable yes. and confident in a football team. Now, I'll be watching behind the couch on Sunday. You know you know that for sure. Shaking the leg, doing all that stuff, crossing the fingers for good luck, all that kind of crap. But in the moment right now, I'm, it's it's great to be very excited about this team and, and confident and comfortable. Uh, real quickly, I'll just roll through my other picks as well. Uh, Kansas City minus three and a half away to the Chargers. I think Kansas City sitting at six and four, a little disappointing. Obviously, Mahomes is hurt for a while. They need a win. And this is not technically an away game. It's in Mexico. So it would probably be better if it wasn't a away game at Dignity Health Sports Park, the home of the L.A. Galaxy and Chargers, um, because there will be, will be more KC fans. But anyway, it's on a neutral field. KC needs a win. They know they can kind of almost bury the Chargers here, too, or put the Chargers in a really bad hole. Give me Mahomes all day, minus three and a half. And as we talked about last week, uh, the last time the New England Patriots were on the field, they got shellacked and embarrassed and demolished by the Baltimore Ravens. Bill Belichick's not going to let that fly. He's going to be pissed. Uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo are going to be watching the New England Patriots destroy the Philadelphia Eagles and easily cover the minus three and a half spread in Philadelphia. I'm exactly on that. Uh, that one, too, Tim. Uh, my, uh, Pat's minus three point five at Philly for the exact same reasons. They've had two weeks to do nothing but stew over losing. I don't think the Eagles stand a chance in this game. <laughs> I am I'm not going to take that game only because I'm I've been saying it for like I feel like 4 weeks now. I want to see the Patriots play another good team. Not sure if the Eagles even are that team, so we may <laughs> not get the actual answer at the end of that game, but I I'm staying away. It's a stay away for me uh at 3 and a half <laughs> because I want to see New England play well against a winning team, let's say. Uh, I do like some of your other picks. I'm going to give you one more. Uh, I, I often go to the teasers, uh, and I'm going to tease a few games this week into one bet. That's a teaser. You take multiple bets. Uh, you get points, so you can move the line, but both of your teams or all your teams have to win. The Rams are six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Chicago Bears. The Raiders are ten-and-a-half-point favorites to the Ryan Finley Cincinnati Bengals. I'm teasing both of those two down. So the Rams are going to be even against the Chicago Bears, dying to see Trubisky do anything and get any sort of points. That'll be a nice 13-3 to win for the Rams, probably. <laughs> and then the Raiders, that line will go down to 4.5 against Cincinnati. That could very easily be another blowout, another 20-30 point win. Uh, I'm, a, I'm wary of the 10.5 points, so I'm going to tease it down to 4.5. 
So the Rams even to beat the Browns, excuse me, the Bears, and then the Raiders four and a half points against Cincinnati. Those are my two picks. I like it. And I'm doing it, you guys. The New York Jets plus two and a half against the Washington Redskins. Oh, my God. The Washington Redskins are favored in a football game. And that's insane. I don't care that I'm back in the Jets. They won. They won a game against a team that beat the Redskins and held them to three points. So it's got to be it's got to be the Jets this week. Dwayne, the Dwayne Haskins era has kind of already been going. It officially is official. He's the starter of the rest of the season or until he gets injured behind not Trent Williams and the rest of that offensive line. Um the Redskins are horrendous. Um, they're going to ruin Dwayne Haskins. I thought he was actually good coming out, but I don't think he stands a chance with this organization. And the Jets are, they suck, but they will beat the Redskins. Just the idea that the Redskins are favored in a football game is insane. And you have to grab a team that's at least somewhat competent. And that's what I'm doing with the Jets. I can't believe Jace just said a team that's somewhat competent, and therefore I'm picking the Jets. Yeah, that's just—it's that's an odd combination, but uh, but we'll see. I, I don't—I don't hate it, and we'll see what happens <laughs> next week. Uh, so we're going to close up now. We got to finish our uh, random Raven. So Tim, I'll toss back to you. Yeah, real quickly uh, again from Calvert Hall classmate. <coughs> yeah, Hall, go Cardinals. Frankie Kelly, number one. I was drafted in the third round of the 2003 draft out of Georgia in my final game for the Bulldogs. I carried the ball 23 times for 145 yards in a 26-13 Sugar Bowl win over Florida State. According to Pro Football Reference, another great website, I played in 49 games in five seasons with the Ravens, but only started one of them. The Ravens were the only team I played for. The other players who wore my number for Baltimore include Sam Gash, great fullback, James Ahedabo, and Eric Weddle, great safety. And final clue, during a Week 11 game with the Dallas Cowboys in 2004, I was infamously horse-collar tackled from behind by safety Roy Williams, resulting in a severe compound fracture, fracture excuse me, of my right tibia. The injury basically put me out of action for two seasons, playing only one game in 2005, and led to the NFL banning the horse-collar tackle in May 2005. Now, Antonio... It's kind of upset because I talked about how stupid I was and how I would have never got this. And then clue one comes in and Antonio knows it. So I'm feeling pretty self-conscious right now. But I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> never, Tim. Uh, never. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird thing because there are certain moments, certain games, certain events. You just remember them and you don't really know why. And I have the most vivid, clear memory of when this that horse color tackle happened. It was horrific. Watching the game at home with my dad. And it took – it was like a – 30-minute production on the field as he was injured trying to get him off the field. I remember it taking forever. The replays were horrible because they showed all uh, these replays of the play yeah, happening. That was back before social media when they didn't realize everyone was grossed out by someone's <laughs> leg snapping in half. And so because of that play being in my memory and knowing that it was this player that they changed the rule for, I often went back to his page to look at his career, look at his the highlights or whatever, his numbers. So I know this is Musa Smith. And I only knew he went to Georgia because of looking at this page over and over and over again. So once you said the year <laughs> and, and the college was not the, not the Sugar Bowl that did it for me, but it is uh, Musa Smith. I had an inkling around the, the, the 49 games, five seasons, but I didn't solidify it until the Roy Williams play. Like you, I was watching that game definitely with my dad. Probably my mom and sister were there as well. It was a hard, I, it's vivid, like, you know, it just stuck in my brain, and 
because uh, I was I was thinking about this recently. I watched probably pretty much every Ravens game, you know, from like 1999 to present or at least like most or parts of them. Ninety five percent of them. But I can't remember broad swaths of what happened in any of these like Kyle Buller games where the Ravens won like 13 to 10 and nothing happened. But like you said, Musa Smith snapping his leg in half in 2004. Stuck in my brain. <laughs> yep. Uh, man, you guys got it. Yeah, it was Musa Smith. I, I was going to try and play that up, but yeah, you both were very incredibly confident. Musa Smith, which I love to update people, brings our random Ravens to <laughs> Owen Daniels, BJ Sams, Marlon Brown, TJ Hushmanzada, Edwin Mulatalo, Dewan Landry, Kerry Williams, Ovi Mahaley, Jim Leonard, Troy Smith, and Musa Smith. Nah, a pretty average seven and nine team there so far. We got <laughs> with the Baltimore Ravens again. Frankie, thanks so much. If you would like to suggest a random that was an Raven, awesome one. you can reach out to us on our personal Twitters or at Pod Like a Raven on Twitter and Instagram or Pod Like a Raven at gmail.com like Frankie did. And this time I promise I will check it more frequently because that one had been sitting in there for a week or two. Uh, so apologies for that, but but uh, incredibly yeah. strong suggestion. So an keep going one for sure. <laughs> So that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you for listening. We will uh, we'll be back next week to hopefully discuss another huge Ravens win. Normal time, by the way. It'll release on Tuesday morning on all your favorite podcast services. So for Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera signing off of Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.